That was Ocean Soul by DJ Cotman based on Kirby's official soundtrack. So the biggest news this month in terms of one beat has definitely been the launch of Pulp by Panic, which I'll definitely discuss with possibly Axolotl on this episode. Please enjoy! Hello everyone, welcome to One Bit Wonders. In this episode, we'll discuss the surprise launch of Paul and also a blast from the past. We'll talk about the Dreamcast BMU. Today with me as co-host is possibly Axolotl. Um, so have you tried Pulp uh, lately, the tool? Uh, yeah, I've messed around with it a little bit. I haven't done that much with it yet, but it seems pretty cool. I like it. Um, yeah, it seems... Um, well, uh, from what I've seen, people have already developed some cool stuff for it. Um, there was like an internal jam before the launch of Pulp. Uh, so developers within Panic and also uh, friends um, could um, make games before it was publicly available. So there are already like maybe a dozen or so games made in Pulp. Um, so yeah, that's interesting and I think that number will only continue to grow in the following months. So one thing I really like about it um, is that it's accessible through the browser. I have not tried it on stuff like Raspberry Pi, uh, but I do know it works uh, well on the Edge browser for mobile. I tried it and yeah. You can also play your games there uh, because there's a simulator built in. So yeah, you can also try them um, on your phone. So that's cool. Um, something that I kind of like about it too is, well, first of all, yeah, it does work on every, like almost everything. I've tried it on my phone, which is interesting to use, but it's also like completely self-contained. So then, you don't have to use other apps to make all the arts and the music and everything. It's all just in pulp. Yeah, that actually reminds me a lot of Pico 8. Yeah. Like, they say it's mostly inspired by Bitsy, which, yeah, I can see that from the, um, you know, how do I say it? Um, the top-down perspective of most games and also the, the, the one-bit aesthetic, um, like... Pico 8 doesn't have exactly a one-bit aesthetic and um, Bitsy does, but the things it does differently from Bitsy is that um, it has a built-in music um, editor and I don't think Bitsy even has sound built-in. Like, yeah, you, can, like you can hack it, but um, yeah. it's not, um, you know, built right into it. Um, so in that aspect, it's more similar to Pico 8. Uh, another aspect in which it is similar is that you can actually program for it. Uh, and Bitsy is 100% uh, no code. Um, while this seems to be either no code or some code, depending on um, what you want to do with it. Um, so it's cool that um, 
it feels like a middle ground between BC and Pico 8, really. Yeah, because like with um, Bitsy, you're pretty much completely limited to top-down, dialogue-based games where you just walk around and interact with people and stuff. Well, it definitely seems like slightly more open, like because it also has support for the crank that can move stuff and do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, also, you know, I was initially worried about the accessibility of um pulp compared to bt games but now that i see it running basically everywhere i think that um concern has uh pretty much disappeared um but um yeah what i really wanna try in the future um well i ordered a an e-ink tablet so something i I really wish to do is to develop games on it so I can, you know, um, code and uh, create pixel art for hours and hours without eye strain because, you know, um, ink tablets don't exactly blast um, light into your eyes like uh, OLED displays and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, seeing how well it works, even on my really old phone, like uh, I think I can expect it to work all right with that tablet. And yeah, that's something that's a bit exciting to me to be able to develop um, very simple minimalist games um, from, you know, um, e-ink device. Um, I think it's like a match made in, made in heaven. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, and also, you know, um, the Playdate does have the whole, um, you know, um, eye-friendly um, uh, thing. Like, uh, it's, it, it uses a memory LCD, which is very similar to e-paper. So, yeah, it doesn't strain your eyesight, and you don't have to set the brightness up uh, to like a thousand to, um, you know, look at it uh, under the sun. So, yeah, I have a Pebble smartwatch, so uh, I know how those displays um, look. And yeah, that's my preferred method, for example, for reading news, uh, because on my PC, I just, uh, they just burn through my retinas. And when I read them on the Pebble, um, you know, my eyes aren't as stressed. Yeah, because um, they're like surprisingly, surprisingly easy to look at because yeah. of how reflective they are. Mm -hmm. Um. Also, uh, have you seen the themes that are in the pulp page? Um, that you can kind of customize the look of the page. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What would be really cool is if you could like make a completely custom theme for it. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, the one I like, uh, I don't remember the name right now. Um, let me let me see what was it called. Um, give me a sec. I've just been using the sunny day one because that's just that the, one. Yeah, it looks exactly like uh, the Playdate, uh, you know, aesthetic. Yeah. Um, it's that, uh, you know, bright yellow. Um, mm -hmm. The Green Age one also, I like it a lot um, because it has like a 
Well, it's like a turquoise um, color. Uh, I wonder if there will be at some point. Um, what if those themes are actually teasing Playdate colors? Like uh, Sunny Day <laughs> is the classic Playdate, and then the other ones are future Playdates. No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, maybe Green Age or. But the other ones, or no, Schools Out also looks pretty okay. Like it's uh, purple and pink. Um, that looks cool as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you definitely pick some really nice colors, like colors that go together really well for this. Yeah, um, but no, uh, I think uh, what I would like more than that is like a transparent, translucent playdate. That would look really cool, uh, I think. Oh, <laughs> like, like, like you can see all the internals and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would look awesome. Um, so uh, there's also a game jam going on right now for uh, Pulp. Um, it's on itch.io. Uh, it's like a cooking-based game jam. Um, let me see the name. Uh, because I don't remember how was it called. Uh, this just says Pulp Jam 1. Oh, yeah. And the theme is cooking, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so there is a game jam in case anyone wants to join. You know, it's completely free. You just need a web browser and done. You can join the jam. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> Make your game on a phone. Yeah. And then just like completely submit it there and everything. Yeah, um, so my only concerns with the simulator are the input methods. Uh, you can't uh, edit them. There are not that many options. So I wish that was improved. Um, so I think my ideal version of it um, would be like, um, you know, you connect an Xbox 360 PS3 Switch controller or something. And you can use the left stick uh, for motion controls, the right stick for the crank, and you know uh, the D-pad and AB for the movement uh, yeah. And, uh, buttons. Yeah, that would be my ideal, uh, you know, emulation of the Playdates um, controllers. Um, I think that would work brilliantly. Or you know, they could go the WASD route on. And yeah, uh, to just make the, well, like happy option, you know, to remap uh, certain things um, because um, games that are really, really focused on the crank are very uncomfortable to play right now. Uh, yeah, because you have to use the scroll wheel or just drag it around with your mouse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I wish they implemented that also to make you know pulp games much more accessible because you know the playdate isn't exactly the most accessible con console out there like it's accessible from uh you know uh, you can pick up and play perspective but it's not accessible in terms of where it is shipping and how much it costs um there's quite a bit of a barrier of entry there so um you know to allow people without a playdate to um enjoy those games um in ways that aren't uh super uncomfortable um 
I think that would be a, a good step uh, forward um, from what we have right now. So, um, have you, uh, oh yeah, there's also a game which is kind of a demake from one called Bloom. Well, this one is called Sprout. And yeah, it's a tiny game made uh, in pulp. Um, I think it's available right now on itch.io. Uh, it looks cool. And yeah, it seems to be like a demake or prequel of Bloom. Bloom is, um, you know, it, it, it is $10 on each.io, um, but you can't play it right now. Uh, it will be playable once the play date comes out, I think. Um, so, you know, the in interesting part about each.io is I think it will become a hub for PDX files. Um, like even bigger than the official store if it ever comes up from Playdate. Um, because, you know, um, each store I owe, well, it, it is super accessible. Uh, it is really easy to monetize your creations. And, well, it also allows not safe for work content, which I'm not, yeah, you, you can do some crazy things with that crank. Um, I don't think, um, you know, uh, panic would allow that stuff on the Playlist store. Um, but each store.io, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, that. and like all game developers already have an itch account. Like if you ask anyone, they probably would. So they might as well put their games on itch anyway. Yeah, um, so I think it will become like a big hub for um, Playdate development. Heck, it's even a great hub for Game Boy development right now. Um, you know, with the release of the Analog Pocket, um, GB Studio has actually um, like had a massive increase in popularity. I see a lot of people making games in GB Studio since the Analog Pocket came out, and they're all uh, publishing to itch.io. And um, yeah, I think um, it is right now the best platform for Homebrew, and I think it will continue to be that. Um, yeah, uh, that's. I, I don't know if if you know. Um, Panic can even top it. Like uh, I don't think they can, um, you know, one up each. Um, you know, the only features I could see like um, um, Panic doing better than each are maybe like community or or servers like leaderboards. You know, that kind of uh, social features. And um, maybe you know cloud saving and stuff like that because each .io currently doesn't support cloud saves. Yeah. So I think that's an area where maybe you know if someone is deciding between getting a game on the each store or the Playdate store, uh, that's the kind of things they will uh, look for. You know, if the game is the same price on the each store and the Playdate store and they both have the same features. Uh, they will most likely go for the each version. 
um, especially if the each version also includes like a PC port. Yeah, in that case, it's a no-brainer. Uh, just grab the each version. Yeah, one thing with the having a Playdate store is it would probably or maybe also just be directly available on the Playdate. That would also be yeah. like um, a good way to find games, and then that might be your deciding factor. Like, hey, I can just download it on the Playdate. I don't need to use a computer or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I'll get it on there. I think that would be great for freebies, but uh, you know, maybe for um, bigger, well, for purchases like Bloom, like even if that game was available on the Playdate store, I think I would pick it, grab it on each.io instead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, cause if you, cause yeah, maybe they, they do a native PC port and you wouldn't get that with the Playdate version. Mm -hmm. Like it's very likely that you wouldn't get that. Um, maybe I'm wrong, and they also, you know, give you access to a PC version um, with every purchase or something. But I doubt it. And with each .io, that is totally a possibility. I have games that you buy once on each .io. They give you the Windows version, the Mac version, the Linux version, the Android version. Well, except for iOS, because they are super um, bad about the whole, um, you know, uh, using other stores um, thing. Yeah. Uh, but they do give you access to all of those other versions, uh, which is super cool. And oh yeah, also the also the Android versions. Like if they do like an Android port and a PC port, you get those two, and also the Playdate port, and you don't have to game to buy the game two or three times. So that is awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I think for most people, well, at least for, you know, power users or advanced users, um, they will go for the each version and may maybe casual players will gravitate towards the Playdate store if it ever comes out. Yeah, um, that's, like, that's like how um, a lot of people who are just like using the Oculus Quest to just like, for fun maybe play a few games they'll probably just buy their games on the oculus store but then a lot of other people will use pc vr because it's more powerful and maybe there's some games on it that are only for pc like boneworks yeah. yeah um so uh well after all this um i do think um that playdate pulp and the playdate sdk that is coming out February um, will um, will be leading a one bit gaming renaissance. Like I think uh, we will get like a ton of um, one bit uh, gems um, from several indie developers, uh, and that will be pretty great. Like um, before the playdate, you occasionally have like a one bit hit like um gato robato or minute or um bleak sword but it was like super super niche and i think this will make it slightly more mainstream um you know not like uh, everyone's talking about it but at least um you know it's um more in the public perception than it was before uh, the one bit aesthetic Yep. 
Yeah, so that's something I'm really excited about. Um, all of the one bit development that that we'll create. You know, GB Studio did a similar thing for two bit games. Um, you know, two bit being the style of the original Game Boy. Um, so, yeah, we saw a lot of um, great games from indie devs created in GB Studio. Um, and I think we'll see the same for one bit um, with uh, Pulp and the SDK. Um, I think um, development for uh, for Playdate will be will thrive quite a bit um, because of how open those tools are. Like with um, sometimes you'll get like a console or some other thing, and then the only way to develop for it is having one. Like if I want to make an iOS app, I have to have a Mac, and I have to do all that stuff. Yes. But because it's all open, it's all free. And then there's already a game jam for it. That's what's going to keep pushing it forward and getting more people to try it. Yeah, absolutely. So I wonder if, um, you know, uh, Pulp will uh, sort of overtake BTC uh, in terms of uh, one bit uh, games. Um, because I, you know, here's the thing. If people start developing like Playdate emulators for mobile and for, you know, maybe even one for Nintendo Switch or something, uh, the homebrew version, um, I think um, there would be something like super appealing about being able to play, you know, all of the um, library of games made in pulp um, on basically any device that can emulate Playdate, which I think it will be a lot of devices because the Playdate isn't exactly a powerhouse. So I think it will be relatively easy to emulate. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, I wonder if we will even see emulators like soon, like maybe in a couple of months. I think we will, uh, but I'm not entirely sure about that. Yeah. Um, like so... I feel like the first thing we'll probably see is some sort of core for RetroArch because then that's already on everything. Yes. Like how we have Pico 8 in RetroArch, so then you can play Pico 8 games on like the DS, even if it doesn't like look the best because it cuts it off like between the two screens. Oh, wow. I have played it on the 3DS and it's a bit sluggish, but I think on modern devices it will work fine. Um, like I, th I, th I don't see how um, it would underperform on say a PlayStation Vita or a Nintendo Switch, um, yeah. but I don't see it running, for example, in a 3DS because it has a very weak CPU. Um, maybe a new 3DS, but I don't know. <laughs> Commodore um, 64. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I do think we'll see a renaissance of the one-bit aesthetic with the Playdate. Uh, we are already kind of seeing it, but I think it will only get bigger. Um, Especially when oh. we see the SDK come out, because yes. there'll be like way more freedom to make more things, and we'll see way more creative one-bit games coming out. Yeah, and you know, um, I am all for emulation. Like so some people may say, oh, but emulating hardware is um, 
you know, uh, destroying hardware companies and things like that. That's not really true. Um, I think, um, you know, uh, if the hardware, uh, the original hardware um, is great and it is adequately priced, uh, like people who are passionate about it and have the money um, will probably get one of them. And, um, you know, it's great that the people who don't have access to that high-end hardware can play um, those games um, because I don't believe in, you know, locking things behind hardware forever. Um, I think um, it should be allowed to thrive on anything that can theoretically run it, uh, you know, the software. Like the most hardware locking that I would like ever want to see is requiring a controller for a game or something, but then like even then, I like being able to play a game with a keyboard and mouse too. So, yeah. Um, so I've seen that with uh, you know uh, the Dolphin emulator. Like GameCube games are really easy to play, but for Wii, you need a little a little more tinkering because it has like the whole shaking and all yeah. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. I think, um, yeah, I just think that software shouldn't be locked behind hardware. Like, I think it's okay um, that some software is designed, um, you know, with certain hardware in mind, but I don't think it should be locked for it arbitrarily. Like, um, yeah, I, I, I think they should, you know, allow it, the code to be executed on as many devices as it can possibly run on. Um, that's what I think. Um, like, um, you know, some people say that uh, hardware is best when, um, you know, hardware and software um, work combined as one, like in the new Macintosh systems, the, well, the, yeah, those Macs, well, they are hardware made by, by Apple and software made by Apple. And some people argue that that's why they work so well. But I would also argue that, um, you know, uh, the definitive experience uh, doesn't have to be the only way for people to experience things. Like if they want to, you know, um, use it on something that is theoretically unsupported, but still works, um, why not? Like, I am, um, yeah, I just think that uh, software, it's okay for it to be designed with certain hardware in mind, but when it's designed to, to lock people uh, to one specific uh, kind of hardware and not allow them to play it software anywhere else, I think that's kind of a toxic culture that only promotes e-waste. Um, so, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. And it's something, oh, right. The analog pocket actually has a, you know, um, FPGA um, inside. So I wonder if someone will develop like a core to emulate Playdate on that. That would be interesting. Um, yeah, so uh, 
yeah, maybe some uh, people will get angry, like, oh, you're supporting emulation for a device that hasn't even come out yet. But here's the thing, um, emulation uh, just uh, increases accessibility for people who couldn't access the hardware any other way. So I don't think um, that's a bad thing at all. Like, yeah, and um, even if emulation never does come out for it, like if this this doesn't seem like something Panic would do, but if they were to like strike down everyone who made Playdate emulation, they're still giving out the simulator for free. So even if it's still less people, a lot of people who have computers would still be able to play them without a console anyway. So yeah. why, not, why not open it up to the rest of the people? Uh-huh. Yeah, and I imagine that, yeah, the reason why I do want, um, you know, emulators to be developed is that you cannot, there are some devices that can run uh, RetroArch, but they can't run modern browsers. So there's no way they could run the simulator, but if they um, can run a, an emulator developed from scratch, then they could theoretically play play the games. Um, and also, you know, um, that will make uh, Playdate a much more attractive platform to develop for um, because people with or without a Playdate can play those games. And I think that would be great. Like, um, you know, if someone develops a game on itch.io, um, you know, they can also play the game on their phone and on their, you know, red toy pocket or whatever. Um, that's something that, uh, you know, I really want to see in the future. And Playdate will still be the definitive way to play Playdate games. Why? Because of the screen, because it has a crank. Um, like, um, you know, for people that want the, um, the classic experience, the, uh, you know, the way it was meant to be played, uh, yeah, they will buy a Playdate, but for people who can't access it, um, but they still want to play those experiences uh, to, yeah, uh, I think they should have access to a way to do that. They already have, but it's just not ideal right now um, because it only runs on browsers, so you can't, um, you know, play it on a device with no internet connection, for example. Um, and also, the, well, I think the, the SDK will have, uh, no, never mind, the SDK will have that, but I don't know if the SDK will run on Raspberry Pi, for example. Um, I think, well, Pulp does run, but the full SDK, I'm not so sure. I think that's only for x86 devices and Macintosh, um, but I could be wrong. Um, well, what I hope is that if, um, you know, uh, the emulators are developed for a lot of uh, systems like uh, Homebrew will absolutely thrive. The reason why Game Boy Homebrew thrives is not because everyone owns a Game Boy. It's because everyone owns a device that can emulate Game Boy, you know? Yeah. And I hope the same happens with Playdate because, um, yeah, it's a console that has uh, gotten a lot of interest. Hell, I may even pick one up one day 
not now because they aren't shipping to Mexico, but maybe one day I'll pick one up. Um, but here's the thing. Um, uh, I don't think everyone will be uh, picking one up and I don't want like 90% uh, of people to miss um, on the killer apps for Playdate just because they can't afford the device. Um, I think people should be able to run software uh, wh wherever they can and whether, wherever they want to. Um, yeah. yeah, like how um, like how you brought up Game Boy games. My first game I made was a Game Boy game because it's just that easy to make a game for it. I have a Game Boy, but I can't put any games onto it because I don't have like a readable cartridge or anything like that. But you can still play the games on a phone in the web browser because it's just that easy. Yeah, and I hope we see that for Playdate 2 because um, that way, you know, uh, developers on each.io um, won't think twice before developing for Playdate because if only the audience with a Playdate can play those games, then you, your scope is very limited. But if everyone has a, uh, you know, a device that can run those games, then they will say, oh, yeah, I'll just develop it for Playdate and let people play on the emulators and stuff. Like, they still buy their ROM from you. Um, you know, on each.io, you can uh, do that. Um, you can sell, like, anything. Yeah, there are NES games. And I have actually, um, there are also Genesis games. I actually, um, I think I bought a Genesis game in a bundle once, uh, Tanglewood, I think. And yeah, I don't have a Genesis, but I can play that game. And I want that, I, I want it to be the same for Playdate. Like if developers, you know, make um, a game for Playdate, like for example, Bloom, maybe I want to play Bloom. Uh, well, not maybe, I actually do want to play Bloom. Uh, it looks cool. Um, but, you know, if I have to, you know, the game is $9, which is acceptable. But if I have to also pay a $180 console just to access that $9 game, uh, yeah, I don't think a lot of people will uh, do that. But if they can play those games anywhere, then they will make those purchases. Like they will say, oh, this one bit games looks, looks cool. It runs on my phone, it runs on my PC. Yeah, I'll get it. Um, and if, if it only runs on Playdate, they will um, probably not get that game. Um, or if the emulator, the, the simulator, I mean, isn't uh, developed to a point where you can comfortably use the crank and the accelerometer, and the game uses those, those features heavily, people will be like, yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm passing on this game because I wouldn't be able to play it uh, comfortably on any of my devices. Um, so yeah, I hope that uh, Panic, those, those, Panic actually adds those features, like um, you know, being able to remap uh, the way the simulator works and also for accessibility, because there's a lot of people who who would struggle playing on a playdate, um, but could do it through something like Xbox's adaptive controller. 
And if Playdate allows that kind of input on the simulator, I think that will greatly benefit people with disabilities, for example. So I hope they do. <laughs> yeah, I really hope they do. Um, because uh, you really, I really believe in game accessibility. Um, I think we should push uh, towards it a lot more. Um, yeah, I think that the creation of the adaptive controller is a step in the right direction. I also see many developers adding like colorblind modes and stuff. Uh, that's also pretty great. So I hope um, Playdate does implement those features at some point to the simulator um, to you know increase the accessibility of those games even more because they are already more accessible than Switch games. Like uh, for a Switch game, you need either a really, really powerful PC or a Nintendo Switch, which is which starts at $200. So um, with Playdate, uh, yeah, you can play in the browser uh, right now, uh, most of those games. So they are already like three steps ahead of the Switch in, in terms of that. Uh, so I hope they go four steps ahead. Um, so yeah, that's my hope. Uh, yeah, anyone can anyone can already play the games before the consoles even out. Like yeah, that's great. Um, but I hope um, it becomes even better, and that uh, you know, um, panic takes uh, these suggestions uh, very seriously. So uh, it is developed uh, even further. I mean, they played it as a platform. Um, so it can be, you know, one of the go-to places for indie developers and, you know, for um, gamers all over the world, um, not just the countries that you can get a play date uh, in. Um, yeah, I hope it, um, I hope they really, 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 um, you know, uh, double down on accessibility. Um, because it's something that uh, gaming uh, has been lacking a lot. Uh, there have been some uh, accomplishments, like the ones I have already mentioned, but I think more needs to be done. And I hope Panic uh, brings that uh, to the future. Yeah. So uh, I think that's it for Pulp uh, right now. Uh, well, it's been over 40 minutes, but. Uh, so let's talk about a, a little about the Dreamcast BMU, just a little. Um, for those who don't know, uh, the Dreamcast uh, was a, it, it really was an almost perfect console that failed uh, regardless because an even better console came out, uh, which was the PlayStation 2, uh, just a couple of months after, I think. Um, but the Dreamcast was really revolutionary. Um, like it was the first console with, you know, um, a modem built in for online gaming. Um, it also, oh yeah, and it also had like a portable console built into the controller that was also the safe file, um, you know, uh, the safeguard. The um, memory card, yep. Yeah, the memory card. Um, yeah, it was the BMU, the Visual Memory Unit. Uh, and with it, um, there was um, 
a lot of developers made mini games for it as it had uh, a couple of buttons. Basically, it was a memory card with a one-bit display and a couple of buttons, and you could play games on it. Um, so some developers uh, did some really interesting stuff for it. Uh, there's, for example, the Chao Garden. I think it's the best example. Um, so basically, in Sonic Adventure, there was this thing called the Chao Garden, which is a virtual pet uh, sandbox uh, mode uh, in Sonic Adventure. And you could bring those virtual pets with you um, through the BMU. So they were uh, really trying to, um, you know, compete with Tamagotchi and with uh, this other thing, um, Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon. Uh, of course, they were, um, you know, you don't hear about Chaos as much as you hear about Tamagotchis and Pokemon. But they still tried and they were really cool back then. Um, what it um, kind of reminds me of is, you know, in the Animal Crossing for GameCube where you could plug in a Game Boy Advance and it would have that island in it? Oh, and the whole e-reader thing? That oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was also... No, you know what my favorite use of the e-reader was? Um, Pikmin. Pikmin had a whole, like, uh, puzzle game. Um, Pikmin 2 it was. Um, it had a whole puzzle game um, for um, this thing called, uh, what was it? Yeah, um, you have like three modes uh, for the e-reader. Um, so you could bring with you um, some Pikmin puzzles. Um, and it's the only way to play those puzzles um, to have, you know, a GameCube, a Game Boy Advance, uh, Game Boy Player, I think. Um, no, the Game Boy Link cable to the GameCube. You also needed an e-reader. You needed a copy of Pikmin 2. Uh, it was absolutely insane. I'm not sure if you can do it to, through emulation nowadays. I hope so. Uh, but yeah, uh, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, there was this whole idea of like games that connect the um, home console to the portable console. And that was super cool. Um, so I wonder if we could see that with the Playdate at some point. Um, that, you know, maybe something like Untitled Goose Game has like a side mode for the Playdate that if you have the game, you can, um, you know, download that side game and i don't know if if you complete levels it gives you cosmetics for the goose for the keys <laughs> that would be super awesome yeah because like um we already know like the playdate that has uh cloud safe or not cloud safe, it has an online leaderboard so it would be cool as if it could somehow communicate through a similar system like to a game on your computer then you don't even have to plug it in it's just you do something on the playdate it tells panic servers the PC game reads that it's like, okay, you have this item, this hat or something now. Yeah, like maybe it's like a remake of Untitled Goose Game, but it's like, uh, you know, something like Hitman Go, or, and it's like one bit. So like you move the goose around the place and you steal things without being caught, uh, you know, like, like, yeah, a tiny remake. Um, and like, um, yeah, you can interconnect those two experiences 
um you know if you complete like five puzzles on the play date you can unlock you know rewards on the main game i think that would be awesome if they brought back that idea from the late 90s early 2000s um yeah uh mostly for you know panic developed games because i don't see like third-party developers um doing a lot of that stuff maybe one crazy developer here and there <laughs> but i think it will if they implemented that it would be mostly panic you know the same way uh that most of the crazy e-reader uses and the crazy bmu uses came from sega or nintendo directly um, rather than third parties. But there was Capcom here and there uh, trying some weird experiments on their games. Um, yeah, for Power Ocean, they had, no, the Power Stone, uh, they had a lot of mini games as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it will be cool to see a revival of that idea. Um, it will be pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the Dreamcast was a pioneer in that. Um, you know, Nintendo later took that idea um, in, for the GameCube and Link cable functionality, where you could, um, you know, uh, play some multiplayer games and see the map on the Game Boy screen and the full game on the game on the big screen and stuff along those lines. Um, yeah, I think um, if they brought back uh, some of that with the play date, I think it would be adorable. <laughs> I would love it. Um, so yeah, uh, the BMU, I think the reason why, uh, well, there are several reasons why it failed, mostly because the Dreamcast also failed and the BMU was connected to the Dreamcast. Also, it had a tiny amount of memory, eight megabytes, um, so you could, only load like a couple of mini games into it. Um, they had to be like very, very small in scope. Um, and there was also, you know, the issue with the batteries. Um, the BMUs used um, these cell batteries um, that, uh, yeah, the it just blasted through them. Um, so that was it wasn't very power efficient um so that was a huge issue and also the kind of batteries it used yeah those weren't cheap uh all that yeah um uh, i don't th i think those were the two main issues with it uh one being tied to the dreamcast and two uh you know blasting through batteries really fast um yeah, I think that's why most developers didn't even bother with the BMU because most people didn't even, um, you know, kept batteries uh, in their BMUs because they would rather just use it as a, you know, save file, um, as a memory card uh, rather than as a tiny Game Boy. Um, so, yeah, uh, I wish some of the concepts behind the BMU came back with yeah. Playdate but yeah <laughs> if if it wasn't tied to the um dreamcast that would have been kind of interesting because you would see like mini games for all sorts of different games on different consoles you could even see like some mario mini game on it even though it's a nintendo game 
There is a lot of homebrew, actually. Um, there's a Pac-Man version. Um, I think there's also, yeah, there's also a Flappy Bird version uh, for the BMU. Um, there's, there's also a BMU emulator. So you can play all of those mini games um, on basically any device that has come out in the last 10 years. So, yeah, I think that's cool. And um, yeah, that's, I, I think that's all about the BMU. There were also, there was also a competitor from Sony. Sony just loves doing what the others are doing. <laughs> like, um, you even see it nowadays, you know, Microsoft moved to PC and what does Sony do? Yeah, exactly. And also the Wii did the whole uh, motion control thing and Sony made a PS move and stuff like that. Yeah. Sony just, um, uh, I'm not just saying they aren't original because sometimes they are very original, but um, they do a lot of stuff the competition is doing. And the, po the Pocket Station is no exception. Uh, they have their own kind of BMU called the Pocket Station, but it was, I think, even more underutilized than the BMU because it wasn't, you know, a main selling point of the console like it was with the Dreamcast. So, mo I, so there was very little software developed for Pocket Station, as far as I know. Um, but yeah, they also they they tried to compete with the BMU. Uh, <laughs> so that that's kind of fun. Um, let me see how many Pocket Station games were actually made. No, there's actually quite a bit of support uh, for it uh, now. I see. Hmm. But, yeah, just, just in Japan, I think like most Western developers didn't uh, bother. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that uh, you know that thing happened. Uh, it's kind of uh, yeah. I, I hope they played it. Brings back like the good parts about that era. Um, you know, not the, you have to buy uh, three consoles and five accessories to get access to the, this experience. Yeah, I don't want that part to come back anytime soon. But the part where, you know, you can take a little experience based on the game you already have on the go. I really dig that part. And I really hope, um, you know, Playdate um, at some point, um, you know, decides to make something with that idea. That would be really cool, I think. Yeah. So, um, do you want to talk about Playmaker or do you want to leave it to the next episode? Because this is already quite long, I think. Um, I guess we could leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Playmaker is a really, really exciting software by Dustin Miro that we will cover in the next episode. Uh, I am super excited about it. Um, I have a lot of things to say, but not right now, uh, because that will extend it another hour, perhaps. So no. <laughs> it's definitely um, going to be like one of the first things that I get on my playdate when I get it. Yeah, it looks absolutely awesome. So anything you want to say to the audience before we leave? Um, you should definitely try out pulp you have literally no excuse not to it works on like everything that has wi-fi it's kind of 
really cool because it has its own like programming language that's really simple based on Lua. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, I really dig it too. Um, I haven't, you know, um, dug my fingers really deep into it, uh, but I have uh, seen what people are making, and I am compelled to do stuff myself at some point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, that's it for today. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Um, bye bye. Upward is a one-bit game designed for the Pico 8 Fantasy Console by Matthias Falk, where you can only go, you guessed it, upward. It's a short experience, clocking at around 30 minutes, but it brings new ideas to the table often enough to keep the one-button gameplay from becoming too easy or repetitive. You can play it on your browser through the official Pico 8 program or through an emulator. It's completely free and won't take you too long to beat, so I really encourage you to check it out. Hope you all enjoyed today's show, and to finish up, Robin by DJ Cutman, featuring Bird Boy.